the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Thank you, guys. Once again, welcome. Merry Christmas. We're so excited to have everybody all in one room and doing things a little different. But one thing that's always going to be the same is we're always not only going to take time to remember Jesus and his death, his burial, his resurrection, his return. We're always going to look into his word together. That happens in junior church. It happens all the places, all the time. But today it's happening here. So it'll be just a little bit more interactive than normal. But are, are we ready to do this? We're going to look into God's word here together. First thing, I actually need you guys to talk to each other. Talk to the people right next to you, even the kids, okay? And here's what I need you to do just really quickly. Kind of whisper it because there's a lot of people in here, okay? But share one of your favorite things about the Christmas season. Maybe a Christmas song, the decorations, the people you get to see, one of the foods, anything that you just really love about it, okay? Go. Everybody talk. Talk to somebody. All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully at least most of you got a chance. If you didn't, you can carry that conversation on later on today. But here's, here's something I'd love for us to remember together. The reason that we have favorite things, the reason that we enjoy certain things is because we're made in the image of God. All the way back at creation, when God started creating everything, the Bible tells us that every day he'd finish what he made that day and he'd say, ah, oh, it's very good. Actually, he said it was good all those days. He, when he finally said it's very good was when he made his very favorite thing. And that was us. He actually made us in his image. In Genesis 1.27, it says this. So God created mankind. That's all human beings. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And at the beginning, it was. It was totally good, and it was great, and they had no reason to be unhappy or to not love each other or to not love God. That's where it all started. All the kids, too, I know you probably know this story. Didn't take very long till they messed things up, right? Pretty soon, they started trusting themselves and even some random serpent in a tree more than they trusted God. And when they made that choice, it started messing everything up. But here's one of the best things that God did for us when he created us in his image. He gave us the ability to make choices. We have the ability to choose to love him or choose not to love him. We can choose to trust him or choose not to trust him. We can choose to love each other or choose not to love each other. We have the ability to choose. That's part of what it means to be made in God's image. And then God... He also showed us the best way to choose. For example, did he just stop loving people when they messed up? No, you're right. I love that, by the way. That's incredible. He chose to keep loving us. He chose to make a way that someday he could set things right again. He chose 
from the moment that they had sinned, he chose there's going to be a way to make this right. And that's when he sent Jesus. Years later, Jesus himself put it this way. I know it should sound very familiar to almost everybody. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him, do you hear there's a choice in that? Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In other words, God did not send his son into the world to make sure they paid for all the bad stuff they did. He didn't send his son into the world, make sure they understood why he was so angry and why they could never come to heaven. He sent him to save them, to make it possible for them to choose him again, to choose to love each other again, to choose joy, to choose all the things that he wanted for us in the first place. And that's where it starts this morning. I'd like us all, if you would, to actually do a motion and say five words together, okay? I'm going to say this, because God loved us, and then we're going to all lift up our hands like this up to, up to heaven. We're making a vertical moment here, and we're going to say, we choose to love God. Can we say that together? We choose to love God. And if you've got one of those special kid bulletins, there's blanks in there. The first two blanks you fill in are love God. One more time, let's say that together. We choose to love God. And you might think that it should be automatic. You might think that, well, of course we love God. But if we're all just being real with each other, and I hope you are, I know I am. Sometimes you have to choose to love God. Sometimes it's really easy. When you're at the beach or you're up in the mountains or somewhere and there's God's creation or when you're healthy and all of your friends and family are together and a whole bunch of things are going right or what you think is right, it's pretty easy to say, wow, God is so great. But we've all been through some seasons where not everything is great. And in those moments, we have to choose to love God. In those moments, we have to make that choice, just like he made it for us. Mary and Joseph had to do that. It was hard for them. They got rejected by all of their families because of the choices they made, but they chose to love God more than they loved anything or anyone else. They chose to be faithful. They chose to do what it took. And when they had to get married, but not totally married yet for a while, and then They had to go to Bethlehem, they had to go to Egypt, they had to go back to Nazareth where everybody still didn't totally believe Mary's story yet. All of the things they went through, they chose to love God. They chose to love Jesus that God had put them in charge of taking care of. And here's something you might not have ever thought of before, but we are doing a lot more stuff with blended families now and in this new year. And I'd just like to encourage you, did you realize that Jesus had a stepdad? His real dad was God. Joseph was his stepdad. And he had step-siblings. Because after Jesus was born and Joseph and Mary were fully married, they had a bunch more kids. He had brothers and sisters. In fact, we even know his four brothers' names. In Mark 6, uh, Jesus goes back as an adult to his hometown and he starts to tell them more about God's love and try to do some great things. And nobody wanted to believe in him because they said this, isn't this the carpenter? See, Jesus lived 30 years before he ever started walking around teaching. They said, wait a second, we know this guy. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? 
Do we have any juniors in the room here today? Somebody named after your father or your mother? Okay. Well, there was a Joseph Jr. in Jesus' family. And he also had a brother named James and a brother named Judas, of all things, and Simon. Those names were pretty common back then. But here's the cool thing. We'll come back to them in a little bit. They had to choose to love Jesus. You'd, you'd think it was easy, but how, uh, where, where are the kids at? All the kids, raise your hand real quick. Okay, let me see all the teenagers. Everybody else, everybody else you, you get this just as easy as them. But right now, they're living this, okay? How many do you know it had to have been hard to grow up in the same household as Jesus? How many times do you think Mary and Joseph said, Why can't you be more like Jesus? You know what I'm talking about? There's always that one kid that doesn't get in trouble as much as the rest of the kids and the, the other kids resent them. Well, that was Jesus, I guarantee you. But as they grew up, we'll see what happens in a second. But Jesus, even as a child, I'm sure, but we know for sure from what the Bible tells us about him as an adult, he was constantly choosing love. And he was constantly showing love. He was teaching about it. He was showing what it looked like by the things he did. One time, somebody was actually trying to trick him into saying something to get him in trouble, but he said something incredibly profound. We still hanging up on the wall here behind us every, every single Sunday. He said, they, they asked him, what's the most important rule? What's God's most important rule? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Notice that Jesus volunteered that second one. They just asked for one, but he said there's actually two. You can't separate those two. We choose to love God, but that's not where it stops. In fact, Jesus said all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The law and the prophets means the entire Old Testament. All the stories, all the rules, all the poems, all the prophecies, everything in the Old Testament pointed forward to Jesus and also pointed forward to the way Jesus wanted us to live in love. Later, his disciple John wrote this. He, he remembered what Jesus had said and he put it this way. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. By the way, if you're following um, Advent, somehow this went off. Let me go ahead and light it. Hopefully this will stay on this time. This is called the Christ candle. This is the one that it's all about. And I'm really bad at lighting candles. Aha, there we go. But the reason we have hope, the reason we have peace and joy and love is because of Jesus Christ. God showed us what it looked like. Now, there's this guy named Dr. Gary Chapman. I think some of you guys have probably heard of him. But he did a lot of research into how people show love. And he found out that all over the world, all different cultures, there are five ways that almost all human beings like to experience love and like to show love. And most of us have one or two favorites. So here's a chance where you all get to talk to each other again. Okay, you're going to have to just jump right in. But here, here's the five ways. One is words of affirmation. That means good job or you look great today or nice shoes or way to go or I love you, whatever. When people talk, it means a lot. Another thing is time. You just spend time together. 
Maybe you're playing games. Maybe you're, who knows what you're doing, but you're spending time. Gifts. Christmas time is a good time for that. If your favorite is gifts, this is your holiday. If it's not, hey, enjoy it right away. Service is where you do something for someone. You actually intentionally do something to show your love. And touch is all the appropriate good ways that we touch each other. Knuckle punches and high fives, hugs, sitting really close on the couch while you're watching a movie, all of those good, wonderful things, all right? Tell each other one favorite, okay? Go. You two at home, do it. All right, well, once again, if you don't, if you run out of time, keep that conversation going. I think a bunch of you are going to go spend some more time together later on today. These are good conversations you can have. Knowing what each other's favorite things are. Knowing especially their favorite ways to show or to receive love is a really good thing. Those five live love languages, many of you have probably heard of that before. If you haven't, it's a good thing to remember because if you know the people around you, your friends, your family, if you know what they like the most, it makes it a lot easier to show them that you love them. It's a good thing to know. Wouldn't it be great if we knew Jesus's favorite love language? Well, guess what we do? Jesus told us in John 14, 15, he said, if you love me, keep my commands. He likes the service one the very, very best. Actually do something to show me you love me. And, and then he said very clearly, and all of his disciples understood, it. John especially really got it, that what his favorite command was is just what he said earlier, to love God and love others. John put it this way. This is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. So once again, we're going to do the motion. I'm going to say, because God loved us, we're all going to go like this. We choose to love God. And then we're going to say this, and we choose to love others. Notice there's that cross. There's the vertical. There's the horizontal. God's designs are just everywhere, y'all. It's so cool, okay? Here we go. Because God loved us, we choose to love God and we choose to love others. One more time. That was perfect, but let's, I want this to stick. Ready? Because God loved us, we choose to love God and we choose to love others. And notice that word choose. It's, 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 it's not an accident. God's love for us is not, he just can't help it. He chooses to love us even when we don't deserve it, even when we mess up, even when we do things that just don't make any sense at all. He chooses to love us and we choose to love him even when we don't understand what he's asking us to do or asking us not to do. And we choose to love each other even when it's hard. We choose to love each other in the great times and the hard times. We choose love. And every time we do, we show the world what real love looks like. And we remind 
each other, those of us who are part of God's family, we remind each other what real love looks like when we choose love. Here's the words of Jesus again. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Disciples simply means somebody who follows Jesus. They literally go where he goes, do what he does, obey what he says. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And when Jesus died and rose and then went back up to heaven, he gave us the job to do this on purpose. Not just accidentally, not just kind of feel warm feelings for people. Oh no, I love them. To show it. And he specifically said that we were supposed to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. In other words, go everywhere. And as we go day to day, intentionally try to help other people come to know that God chose to love them and they can choose to love him. He he told us we're supposed to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the things that he commanded especially love. And he said, when you do that, I will be with you to the very end. Brothers and sisters, this is what it means. Kids, teens, everybody who's in this room, I need you to hear this. This is what Jesus himself said defines whether we are good Christians or not. We are good followers of Jesus Christ or not. Are we good at this choosing to love thing? If we're good at choosing to love God, if we're good at choosing to love each other, if we're good at choosing to love the world enough that we actually intentionally go and share the truth with them, we intentionally choose to love them even if they hate us, even if they're mean to us, we do good to them. That's when people know that Jesus is who he said he was. That's when people see what real love looks like. And that's our job. And when we are kind to each other, when we love each other, we are showing what it looks like to love. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes there's a lot of hard things we have to do. And that comes to the last thing that we're talking about today that we have to choose to do. We choose to trust God. Next week, I hope you all come back and I hope you even bring more people. We can, we can squeeze a few more in. There's lots of room on the front pews still. We can make this happen. But I hope you come back. This motion will make more sense next week because next week's going to be another one where we're all together. Okay? But this is the motion we'll make for trust. Okay? We choose to trust God. Would you do that with me? We choose to trust God. God. So we got three choices. One more time. Let's, let's all do it. Because God loves us, we choose to love God. We choose to love others. We choose to trust God. See, God never abandons us. He always does what's best for us. He always makes something good come out of even the worst things that we do or that others do. He somehow brings good out of the bad. But it doesn't always look like that, does it? Doesn't always feel like that. And there's always going to be times for every single one of us, kids, teens, adults of all ages, listen, 
You're not weird if it's hard for you sometimes. It's hard for all of us. We have to choose to trust God. There is always going to be some things that you want to do that you feel like are really natural and normal to you. And how could God ever say that's wrong and weird? You got to trust God and say, well, if God says I can't do that, then I won't. And there's always going to be some things that God tells us to do that sound really great, like love each other, be kind to each other. But in the moment, especially if the other person isn't being kind, it's really, really hard. That's why we have to choose to trust God. We have to choose to say, I don't get it. This is really hard, but okay. And when we choose to trust God, we see amazing things. The manger didn't make a whole lot of sense, did it? Would you put a baby that you loved and wanted to take care of in a food trough? I wouldn't. But God did. And it worked okay. And and it came up with these cool pictures that Wes was talking about just a few minutes ago. We learn from that idea. And the cross, would you send your son to die for someone? I wouldn't. But God did. God's always doing stuff that didn't make sense. When Jesus was walking around, he did all kinds of crazy stuff. You remember that poor guy that was blind and asked Jesus to heal his eyes? And Jesus spit in the dirt and made mud with the spit and rubbed it on his eyes and then said, Hey, go wash your face and you'll be good. You talk about taking some trust. That's a crazy story. But you know what happened? The guy trusted Jesus. He put the mud, let Jesus put the mud on his eyes, went wherever he could find water, washes his face, and he could see. There's a kid that all he had was some bread and some fish. Nobody else had food. Jesus said, hey, give me your food and watch this. That kid had to trust Jesus. But Jesus started tearing fish and there just was more and more fish. He starts tearing bread. There's more and more bread and everybody ate and there was leftovers. It's weird. It doesn't make sense to give Jesus. You're the only one smart enough to bring a lunch. And Jesus says, give it to me and let me share it with everybody. And there's thousands of them. But he trusted Jesus. Does this make sense? Do we see how this works? And in your life, there's always going to be. In my life, in all of our lives, that's going to be how it always is. We have to choose to trust him. Trust him enough to actually do something about it. I mentioned earlier that Jesus' step-family, his step-siblings, his step-father, and also even his mom, when he was an adult, there were a couple times where they were like, what are you doing, Jesus? Maybe you shouldn't be doing this. This is weird. This is crazy. I'm not sure this is where you need to be doing this. But eventually, they started loving Jesus and trusting him. I love that the Bible tells us that. In in Acts chapter 1, we have one of the accounts of Jesus going back up to heaven, sending everybody everywhere. And then he says, but first, before you go anywhere else, go back into Jerusalem and wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then it tells us exactly who was up on that mountain and who went and prayed and got ready for what happened on the day of Pentecost. They all joined together constantly in prayer. This is back in Jerusalem, like he told us. Along with the women, so there wasn't just the the apostles that Jesus had chosen. There were a bunch of women who followed him around all the time, like Mary Magdalene, ever heard of her? She was with him just as much as all the apostles were. Also, Mary, the mother of Jesus, 
and with his brothers. All his brothers. And actually James, his brother James, went on to become a great leader in the church in Jerusalem. And he's the one who wrote the book that we call James in the New Testament. And I love how he introduces himself at the beginning. Because if it would have been James the way he was earlier growing up, he might have said, James, a servant of God, and a stepbrother of that carpenter guy, you know. That's not how he said it. And he didn't try to make himself look good or anything. This is what he said. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. In other words, he puts Jesus on the exact same level as God. He calls him Lord. That means boss. That means the one who tells me what to do and I say yes every time. He calls him the Christ. That means the one that God promised all the way back at the beginning that he would send to save us. There'd only be one who could save us. And he's saying, you know who that is? That's Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm a servant of him. He chose to put trust in Jesus. And that same guy, James, he said this to us. Listen, you ready? We're almost at the end here. And this is where it gets real. This is where we go. So what are we going to do about this? You ready? This means yes. All right. A few people. James writes, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, And slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let's just get really open here for a second. I think, I've just noticed this over the years and I have no idea why. It makes no sense, but it's real. If this sounds like your family, you're not the only family. But people are often nicer to strangers than they are to their own families. People will drive into the church parking lot. Will you sit down? Will you stop fighting your brother? And then they open the door. Hi, good morning. (laughs) Hallelujah, brother in Jesus Christ. That's not okay. And let me tell you something. You guys, this is Christmas Eve. Tomorrow's Christmas Day. You're going to have some extra time with a bunch of your family, some of your close friends. It should be the other way around. You should practice trusting God, loving God, and loving your family. You should practice loving everybody by how you treat your family. James writes, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So here we are one more time. We trust God, we love God, we love each other. Let's say these things out loud and then let's talk about what they mean. You ready? Here we go. This is the very end. Let's do this together. Number one, because God loves us, we choose to love God. You know what that looks like? That looks like us doing stuff. We worship God. We pray to God. We obey God. We study God's word. We trust him enough to do what he says even when it doesn't make sense. We act on that. It's a perfect chance to do that. And because God loves us, the second thing we do, let's say it together, we choose to love others. You know what that looks like? Smiling at your family. (laughs) Hugging your family. Saying thank you and turning off your phone and leaving it off for a while. While you're with your family. Are you with me? 
Oh, I just lost everybody when I said something about phones. <laughs> but I'm serious. That might be the most important thing you hear today. Sharing and giving and eating and just being kind. We practice on our families. That's one of the reasons God gives us families. I encourage you to do that. And if that sounds hard, well, we choose, say it with me, we choose to trust God. This morning, God might be asking you to do something very specific. I don't know that for sure, but I hope so. If there's anybody here who's never given your life to Jesus, we always give people a chance to do that at the end of the service. If you want, you can just come forward, talk to us about it. We could help you know Jesus. We could baptize you, anything you need to do. If there's something else, you could also share that with us. But this is what I'm asking you this morning. We're going to do this one more time. And I I want you to, as you say it, I want you to think of something very specific you're going to do to show that you mean this. Okay? Kids, teens, adults, everybody, okay? When we go through this one last time, be thinking, how are you going to show God you love him? How are you going to choose to love others? How are you going to trust God? Let's say it one more time, then we're going to stand and sing together. Ready? Because God loved us, we choose to love God. We choose to love others. We choose to trust God. Let's stand and sing.